Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. So we're talking about the first paragraph of the Amidah, which we started with last week. We'll work on that. We'll be working on that for the next few weeks. And just to refresh memory, the Amidah, which is called the prayer, the Tfilah, which in rabbinic sources, which is seen as the main prayer that we do, is seen as your audience before God. It is your personal time to talk to Hashem. That's why it's an individual whispered prayer. The communal repetition is only um, for those who didn't know the prayer so they can listen and say amen. By the way, I've read two rabbinic responsa lately who say we should totally do away with the repetition of the Amidah. One of them is the conservative one uh, in the conservative movement, and the other one is uh, by Rav Chaim Ovadia, who's a very liberal Sephardi rabbi. Um, I'm not sure I'm in favor of that, but and I won't talk about the ins and outs of the decision, but um, but this is your personal audience before God. And in classic rabbinic literature, God is conceived of as a monarch, a king, something that many of us modern people may find it hard to relate to, but that's their world. Um, the Persian king, the Persian emperor called himself the king of kings. So God is seen as the king of the king of kings, meaning he's the sovereign who is over all the emperors. He's the biggest emperor. And thus um, the sages either modeled the Amida on the idea of an audience before a king, or they ex post facto described the Amida as an audience before the king. I'm not sure that was what was in their mind when the Amidah evolved or not, but it's described as you come before the king, and we talked about that there are three sections, right? You come to the king, you start with shevach, praise. So first you butter up and you flatter the king. You tell the king that the king is so wonderful. You identify yourself. You say the king is so wonderful. Then you ask the king for what you want. That's the middle section of the Amidah. And then you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And those are the last three blessings. So the first three blessings are called Shevach. They're the part of the Amidah that's called praise, Shevach, of which the first one, first each blessing, by the way, has a name so that when the sages are referring to it, they don't have to say something like the 12th blessing, and then people have to count on their fingers to figure out what the 12th blessing is. So each one is given a name. And this one is called Avot, Um which, strictly speaking, means patriarch ancestors, but you can think of it as ancestors, since we had the imahot. You can call it avot v'imahot if you want to, but, you know, so it's ancestors. So we come in and we link ourselves to the line of the ancestors. Now, we're going to look at halacha, required Jewish practice around the Amida, and in particular around this first blessing later, in a few weeks, but just to foreshadow for you, the halacha says that you have to have kavanah for every word of the first blessing. That means the avot paragraph. 
Okay. So a vote is singled out for a obligation or a requirement to have focus on all the words more so than the rest of the Amidah. Okay. It's kind of on a par with the first line of the Shema. And there's even argument in the medieval sources about if you lost your Kavanah during the first paragraph, do you have to go back to the beginning again? Okay. The same way, theoretically, that if you said Shema, the first line on autopilot without Kavanah, you might have to go back to the beginning of Shema and say it again. So what that means is this is singled out as this is really important. And if you're not focusing on what you're saying, you're not doing it right. Okay. This is something that requires special focus and attention. So that's the entire first bracha. And again, that means up until everything up until Baruch HaTashem, Magen Avraham, or Magen Avraham Ufoket Sarah, if you add the Imahot. So that's the whole first blessing. It is called a bracha aruka, a long blessing. Long blessings have nothing to do with how many lines there are. Long blessing is a technical term, and it means it starts with Baruch and it ends with Baruch. Like the first paragraph of the Shema, of the um, Birkat Hamazon, and then we end but then we go on Nodelacha, the second paragraph we don't start with a baruch that's called a bracha kitzara short bracha so long bracha means it starts and ends with baruch and then short bracha means it doesn't have to start with baruch it ends with baruch and the rule is we said this like probably a year and a half ago I don't know uh, but just to remind you that if you have a sequence of brachot, which constitute one unit, the first one has to be a bracha aruka, a long blessing, meaning you start with baruch. But then the subsequent ones that are tacked onto it don't have to start with baruch, which is why in Birkat HaMazon, the first paragraph begins and ends with baruch. But the next two paragraphs, no lecha and rachem, right? They don't start with a Baruch formula. They only end with a Baruch formula. Similarly, for the Shema blessings, the first blessing, which it was called uh, Yotzer, right? God creates light. We start with a blessing, Baruch Yotzer or and then it concludes Baruch Hashem Yotzer Hameorot. But then the ones after Ahavar doesn't start with Baruch, and Emet Vyatsiv after the Shema doesn't start with Baruch either, right? So because they're because the Shema blessings are considered one unit. Similarly, in the Amidah, the first blessing is a bracha aruka, starts and ends with Baruch, but then all the subsequent blessings are a bracha ktsara, they're a short bracha. None of them open with Baruch, they have to close with Baruch. Everyone follow that? So if you just think of benching and the Shema blessings and the Amidah, they're all exactly the same pattern. They're a unit of brachot. The first bracha starts and ends with baruch, but then the subsequent ones are not required to start with baruch, and they don't. Okay. That's just a little technical stuff. But this bracha aruka, this particular one, okay, halacha says you have to have kavanah for it. If you don't have kavanah for it, if you realize for sure everyone agrees that if you're in the middle of the first bracha and you realize that you don't have kavanah, you were thinking about what is the stock market doing today or 
did the Dodgers play last night? I didn't check the score. So if you're thinking about anything else and you realize that in the middle of bracha, you lost focus, you must go back to the beginning of the bracha and say it with focus and intention. And again, whether after you're out of the first bracha, if you have to go back or not, that's a debate or not. We'll read that halacha eventually. But I say this to cue you up to think about the question of why. Why is this bracha so important? Why did the sages deem it so important that if that you have to have kavanah, you have to have intent. If you don't have, uh, if you don't have proper kavanah for the next 18 blessings, you're okay. You don't have to go back. You go on autopilot. I haven't, I realize I haven't been, been thinking about what the last five brachot mean. It's okay. You keep going. That's not the case with the first bracha. So this requires kavanah for every single word. Okay. I'm going to go back over this bracha in the Hebrew slowly. Uh, I got a request to slow down, so I'm going to try to slow down. Um, and then we'll talk a little about, because we don't have a lot of time today to discuss, we'll talk a little about um, how this bracha launches you into the Amidah. We'll put it that way. Okay. Um, so, Baruch Hashem. So, we, we preface the Amidah again with a verse from Psalms, which says, um, I, I hope my words do the right job they're supposed to do. Adonai sifatai tiftach ufi yagi tilatecha. Hashem, open my, open my lips so that my mouth will utter your praise. And again, the, I'll just review this. The way we say it is three steps back, starting with your left foot. Hashem sifatai tiftach, feet together. And then starting forward with your right foot. Ufi yagid tilatecha. Feet together, entire Amidah, feet together. Um, Shulchan Aruch says, hands over your heart, although most people don't do that, but sometimes you go to a very yeshivish or from setting and you'll see people standing like that. Okay, I don't, I'm not going to talk about the bowing just yet. Um, so, Baruch Ata Hashem, Elokeinu Velokei Avoteinu, Blessed are you, Hashem, uh, who is the God and God of our ancestors. Some people add Elokeinu velokei avoteinu ve'imoteinu. Okay? Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Um, some people add Elohei Sarah, Elohei Rivka, Elohei Rachel, Elohei Leah. Or some people say Elohei Avraham, Elohei Sarah, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Rivka. Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Le'av, Elohei Rachel. They make them into couples. Um, we'll come back. Someone remind me today to come back to, why do we say Elohei Avraham, Elohei Sarav, Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzchak, Elohei Yaakov, instead of saying Elohei Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, which would have saved printers a little bit of ink and saved us two words. Ha'el, ha'gadol, ha'gibor, v'hanorah, el elyon, the God who is great, and mighty, and awesome, supreme divinity, highest God, okay? This is, um, by the way, all of these things are phrases from somewhere in the Tanakh. So, is taken from the Tanakh. Gomel chasadim tovim vikone hakol, who requites or rewards, uh, we, we talked a lot about chasadim last time, requites or rewards 
um, good acts of faithfulness or loving kindness, chesed, vikoneha kol. And in good English, kone is a bit of a fancy word. So if I translate it into a bit of a fancy English word, I would translate as author of all. It means creator. It means master. It means owner. Kone means all of those things in biblical Hebrew. So I'm going to translate it as author of all. So we have two very different things here I just want to point out, okay? Because we're going to, at some point, probably not this week, we're, we're going to talk about what is the flow of ideas here exactly. I just want to point out this is a bit of an odd juxtaposition that God repays acts of loving kindness slash faithfulness and is the master or author of all, right? That second part sounds like sort of creation-y, and that first part of that phrase seems like it's um, reward and punishment-y, okay? So we have two, these two different ideas. Why are they back-to-back here? Why are they juxtaposed? I'm going to leave that question hang for the moment. Vit zocher chasteavot, and who remembers the loving faithfulness acts of the ancestors, or there are people who have zocher chastei avot v'imahot, because there are egalitarian people who, every time they say avot, they add the word imahot. Ume vigo el, and who brings a redeemer for their children's children, which means their descendants, which means us, for example, right? So you remember the acts of loyalty of the ancestors and you bring a redeemer to their descendants. That you can understand why they go together, right? Why they're paired, right? You are the God of the ancestors and you bring redemption to the descendants. That's past and future. That kind of makes sense in a way that Gomel Hasadim Tovim Vikoneha Kol as a pair of things doesn't, it's not in, exactly as clear, Gomel Hasadim Tovim Vikoneha Kol, what those two things have to do with each other. Okay? Lema'an Shemo Be'ahava. So why does God do this? Because we're good? No. Because we asked? No. Because our ancestors collected enough mitzvot for us to demand a payment on the check? No. It is only because this is God's shame, whatever that means. This is a name as connoting essence, who, because this is who you are lovingly. And Be'ahava kind of governs the whole thing, meaning you do all these things because this is who you are lovingly, okay? So Lama'an Shemo isn't just about Mevigo El, I, I think it's not just Mevigo El Ivnevenehem, because we had, after we said, God, who are you? You're the God of the ancestors. Then we said, you do four things, Gomel, Kone, Zocher, and Mevi, right? So we say God does four actions, right? Repays, authors, remembers, and brings. All right, so we had four verbs. And I think Lama'an Shemobi Ahava 
is meant to govern all that whole two lines worth. It's not just about you bring a redeemer for the sake of your name lovingly. I think you do all these four things for the sake of your name lovingly. At least that's always been my interpretation of it. Laman Shmobiava governs everything that God does in that paragraph, which is those four verbs. With me? Then we round it off. Melech Ozer Ufokade Umoshia Umagain. That's nice because I brought it back to Melech, God's rulership. Have I said Melech yet? I haven't. I, I said, the great, mighty, powerful, supreme God, which sort of implies Melech, but we haven't really used the word. So, sovereign, who is Ozer, helper, Ufokade, and rememberer, Umoshia, and savior, Umagain, and protector. Melech, so the original non egalitarian is Melech, Ozer, Umoshia, Umagain, four words. Okay, we add in Melech Ozer Ufokade Umoshiyam again because we're anticipating that we're adding the Pokade Sarah in the Bracha formulation, but that's added only in the conservative egalitarian version. Baruch Hashem Magain Avraham Ufokade Sarah, protector of Abraham and literally rememberer of Sarah, or who took notice of Sarah. It's translated here as guardian of Sarah in our Sidur. That is definitely not what pokade means. Sometimes I say, oh, you know, this translation, that's not what pokade means, okay? Um, certainly, if it refers to the story in Genesis, where it says, God took notice of Sarah, it means he remembered that he promised her a baby, and and she got pregnant, and she had a baby. So it can mean to remember or to take notice of. It means... Um, I, Take notice of in the sense of I'm settling up the books. Hashem, Hashem, El Rachum, Vechanun, Erech, Hapaim, Rauchesev, Emet, Notzer, Chesel, Afim, Nosem, Ufokade, right? So when we say Hashem um, uh, does merc- is merciful, right? The, the 13 attributes, which we read about in Kitas, Kitisan, we said, but Hashem, um, Pokade, Avon, Avod, Albanim, remembers the sins of the fathers, visits them on the children. It's to take notice of in the sense of, all right, I'm going to look at my books and I'm going to settle all the accounts. That's how it means remember and notice. Okay. It means I'm going to, I'm going to get accounts square to get accounts squared away. That's what pokade means. Okay. Do accounts, do my accounting. Okay. Not guardian. The, why does our English make it guardian? Because they want to make it um, conceptually parallel to shield of Avraham but I want to point out that the Hebrew is really not parallel. The Hebrew, they wanted to say something about God's relationship to Sarah, but there's nothing in the book of Genesis anywhere about God protecting Sarah. There's nowhere it says, and Hashem protected Sarah. There's no word that in any way is parallel to Magain. Okay, so the, the, our Hebrew author who wanted to put in a verb that God did for Sarah that our author of the Hebrew did what they were able to do with what we have in the book of Breshit. They can't manufacture something that's not there, or they chose not to manufacture something that's not there. Okay. They didn't have anything parallel to Magain, but our English translator of the Sidur wants to make it something that's parallel to shield. And so they say guardian, they, they translate 
I, I, I'm, I'm giving it great honor by calling it a creative translation. It's not a loose translation. It's a creative, it's an alternative word. Not criticizing, I'm just saying that's what it is. Okay, we don't have a lot of time. We're going to take a minute or two, okay, um, just to say, uh, I'll, t- I'll ask, how do people feel like this launches you into the Amida? It's the launching pad, obviously. Right? Obviously, that you know, the sages thought carefully, or whoever wrote the Siddur thought carefully about how we should launch people into the Amidah, right? Uh, what the first bracha would be. How do you feel this launches you into the Amidah? Anyone? Start with Larry. Joanna, you might have had a question, comment. And then Meyer. Larry. I'll answer your question. Will there be time for, uh, for other questions afterwards? No, not today. But there will be future days, God willing. I will cross the street carefully, I promise. So how do we approach the king... And we approach the king by expressing what's our status? What's our merit? How do we come to you? We come to you because of the honor of our ancestors. That's what is the right. I ain't just some nobody off the street. I'm the descendant of Avraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Um, so I'm going to do all this asking, right? The first thing I do is I introduce myself. All right. We, we could, you could just shorten it and say, I am a Jew, right? But the way we say I am a Jew is I am a descendant of all of these ancestors who you had a relationship with. This relationship was protective and da, 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 da. Joanna, it was a long time ago. Your hand was up. Did we buy is a jump in? I don't remember what the long time ago was, but what I will say now is, I feel like the Amida is very much a sort of past, present, future kind of construct. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it sort of launches us into that sequence. We start here in the past. There are a bunch of bakashot that are about like sort of our very present today needs. I need to make a living today. I want to not get sick today. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Go on. And then... And then, you know, we talk about, you know, God restoring the future of Israel and and bringing us back and, um, you know, requests that speak a little bit more um, in the future tense. So I think in that sense, it's a very logical construct. Great. I also want to point out in the blessing, we say, may vi go el evenevenehem, which foreshadows the future, right? You're going to bring a redeemer to the descendants, which might be us. But then I want to point out, we don't close with that. So this is not about future. We close with Magain Avraham We close with focusing on the past, right? Our history. Yes. So I'm just corroborating what you say. Meyer. Um, I just read a really neat commentary about Great. why we say, Avraham individually. Yeah. There's generally a, a standard answer to that. What is the answer, Meyer? Well, I don't know what the standard answer is, but basically they're individuals. Yeah. The, the, in the that, sense that's that they the stand- each. Right. That's the standard answer. Go ahead. But I like that because it's not just about presenting them as our history, but each of our histories, each of our stories, each of us as individuals are different. And that identifies also the fact that we're individuals. Correct. I didn't mean to demean it by saying it's the standard. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> I meant to. The usual answer that's given is because each, to, to point out, each one of these ancestors although we always mention them as a group, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, each one of these ancestors had their own individual relationship with God, 
by the way, will in future weeks, maybe next week, maybe not, I don't know when, we will talk about what were those individual relationships. If that's our model for understanding, then we have to take Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah seriously also, rather than just saying, oh, we're egalitarian, so we always add the matriarchs. Because if we're going to say that, then we have to think about what was their individual relationship with Hashem, all of which implies that, um, maybe maybe I'm taking a step too far, all of which implies that everyone has to have their individual relationship with God. Isaac's relationship with God was not the same as his father's, right? Jacob's relationship with God was not the same as father or grandfather, which means there's no reason to assume that my relationship with God or your relationship with God should be the same as your father or mother, or should this be the same as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So it is a model of saying um, that each one of these ancestors was covenanted to God, had a relationship with Hashem in their own unique way. So even though I am citing them as my cred about why I have standing to come and stand before you, okay, I can't rely on their relationship with God. I still have to have my own relationship with God. The same way Yitzchak wasn't able to say, well, I'm Ben Avraham, isn't that good enough? Right? So it's either an opening or maybe a demand, maybe that's going too far, I don't know, that each one of us have consider what is my own unique relationship to how I serve God and understand God. Alan? So thank you, Meyer, for bringing that in. Alan? Just to add to that one point, it's addressing, just to go back, it addresses the problem of why Elohe is repeated. It says, Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak, yes. Elohe Yaakov. Why not just say Elohe, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? Yes. And then that's the answer to the problem. I just wanted Correct. to make sure that that was clear. Yes. But what the nation that we're discussing, it's the repetition uh-huh. of Elohe. That makes, I think Buber said that at one point, but I'm sure others did before. It goes him. way back, way back. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, that would be interesting, Meyer. By the way, did they cite anything in a footnote there? I'm not actually sure. This is what is always said. I'm sure there is some person who said that comment first. So we'll we'll all try to do research between now and next week about who said that first. Is that from the Talmud or something like that? Or I just, I can't off the top of my head remember. I know there's an answer. Um, okay, it's five to nine. We got to stop. Um, it's uh, Nissan is coming. I'll see you next month, as they say in Nissan. So everyone have a good day. Stay healthy. Be Torah. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.